Today on the Tech Bytes podcast, sponsored by Palo Alto Networks, we're going to talk about zero trust network access and how it's evolving to provide more comprehensive and consistent security while also incorporating user experience. My guest is Anupam Upadhyaya. He is VP of Product Management, Cloud Security, Dem, and AI Ops at Palo Alto Networks. Anupam, welcome back. That's quite a title. You're in charge of a lot of things, but let, let's focus in on uh, ZTNA. Network access, it's been a problem for about as long a time as we've had networks. So what's driving the conversation around zero trust network access in particular? Thank you first for having me. Um, I think if you look at the past 24 months since the pandemic set in, work has become an activity, right? We are working from home, from offices, from a coffee shop, right? Work is no, no more a location. So that's one thing, users everywhere. And the second part is applications that used to be centralized now are all over the place. Some applications still are in data center, but a lot of applications are moving to SaaS or to cloud delivered. And that's creating this conversation. How do I securely connect my users to my applications irrespective of where they are? And that's really driving that zero trust conversation too. And zero trust, what we're talking about there is um, sort of moving away from that old school VPN where it's essentially one tunnel where I become a node on the network and boom, I've got access to everything. The notion around zero trust is more fine grained. And now you're saying that sort of the the, the current crop of ZTNA products that we're seeing are falling short in some way? What, what, how do you see the space? Yeah, Andrew, like you said, zero trust is exactly zero trust. By default, thou shall deny everything. When there's no policies, everything gets dropped. Mm-hmm. So when you start thinking about ZTNA, right, when application was centralized in the data center, right, and everything was sort of in a neat boundary, users were sitting in a branch, applications in data center, ZTNA, the old school ZTNA, started mapping applications to ports and IPs. And that really violates the principle of least privilege, right? And why? Because when you look at a lot of applications, you utilize a dynamic port range, right? Think about Microsoft SQL Server. And in that case, you need to really give access to these applications or a broad port range. And that just makes access a bit too much, right? What happens if a rogue application starts listening on those ports? What happens if the application developer wants to add one more port to that <laughs> to support one more protocol, right? that just becomes a problem, right? That's the first big problem. And then do the second challenge is this whole thing of allow and ignore. So if you go to the heart of zero trust, uh, network access, and I will call it one daughter, Drew, the old school, there's this concept of access broker, which establishes the connection between the user and the application, mm-hmm. which means you first go go to the access broker, say, hey, I'm Drew. Access broker uh, verifies, yep, this is Drew. And Drew has access to these applications. And once that is done, Drew has a path to the application. So now what's happening is all traffic for that session now is implicitly trusted, mm-hmm. which means that's a recipe for disaster because your user behavior can change. You can get infected, Drew. Your device can get infected or applications can go rogue. And if you really go back to this log 4G example, right, which we all know, which was a vulnerability on, a, on an Apache server, right? If let's say your device is infected and it reaches to uh, uses this Apache vulnerability and starts planting malware, you are a verified user. That application, the data center is a verified application. You are not really stopping for that with 1.0. That's point number two. The third, which sort of leads into this is there's no application traffic inspection either. 
which means that that part about malware, right? When if someone is trying to inject malware using the user device or application, you do not have the ability to identify or respond to that malware. And then the fourth one, data is everywhere true. Today, yeah. our data is sitting in Google Drive, in uh, network file systems, in uh, Microsoft Office. You, 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 you pick your favorite application, right? You need a solution that provides data protection. And because in ZTNA, after that access is granted, it's a direct user to app model, you are not really providing data protection, especially for private applications. And this leaves a good portion of the organization traffic vulnerable to data exfiltration. And then last but not the least, you want a consistent security and data security posture for all your applications. ZTNA really 1.0 really focused on solving that for private applications. So to start thinking about cloud-based applications or applications that utilize dynamic ports, like I said, or server-initiated applications like support help desk apps uh, where servers connect to remote devices, mm -hmm. you do not have support for that in ZTNA 1.0. And then when you think about SaaS applications, ZTNA 1.0 does not support that either. So those sort of become the five points where the current ZTNA solutions fall short. Okay, and one thing I want to clarify to understand what you're saying is uh, you, you mentioned one of the issues with, you know, you go through an access broker, you get your permission and off you go. Your issue isn't necessarily with the access broker. It's the fact that once you have that permission, it's sort of carte blanche and there's no rechecks during that session. Is that the issue? That's absolutely true. Carte blanche or allow and ignore, right? Mm -hmm. Once you have established trust, now I'm allowing and ignoring everything. You're, you're spot on. Okay. And then another problem you're raising is that you're saying what you're calling ZTNA 1.0 is essentially focusing on a limited set of apps where the next generation wants to focus on cloud, private, uh, server-initiated apps, and whether the user is you know, at a remote location, in a branch, at a coffee shop, or even on-premises uh, at the campus HQ. That's exactly right, yes. Okay. So then uh, what are you recommending to customers to sort of uh, overcome these um, shortcomings of a ZTNA product or solution? So look, like you said, Drew, right? It's a bit of a paradigm shift. Users everywhere, applications everywhere. And to solve that secure connectivity need to connect users to applications for today's hybrid world, we uh, are talking about ZTNA 2.0. And ZTNA 2.0 is delivered on five pillars. We talked about least privilege access, Drew, right? Where a user and application should come together. ZTNA 2.0 identifies application as a layer seven construct. Mm -hmm. When you think about 1.0, that was port and IP, that's a layer three, layer four construct. So first thing is privilege of least access between user and application by, by identifying applications at layer seven. That's the first principle. Okay, so that's, you know, I'm thinking sort of the difference between the traditional sort of stateful firewall and the next gen firewall where I want not just, I know I'm allowed to go to port 80 and port 443, but I want very specific controls around what applications across the web I'm able to use. You're saying that's what this next generation of ZTNA should be able to do. Yeah, like you said, right? You do not want to rely on antiquated mechanisms like ports or IPs. You really want to understand the application footprint. So that's where doing an inline decrypt of the packet and looking at the signature of the application to figure out what the application is, the only foolproof way to figure out what an application is. And on that point, Drew, look, uh, let's say we are chatting on Zoom. Now, Zoom is an application. It also has sub-applications like chat, file sharing, and so on. 
the concept of app ID at Palo Alto, which powers our Prisma access, as well as our next generation firewalls, allows us to also look at applications at a granular level like chat. So with our app ID, I could allow access to Zoom, but really block that chat function. So that gi it gives you that fine-grained uh, granularity that is required for uh, applications of today, right? So that's the first part. Right, okay. Mm -hmm. Then the second part, like we said, once you have established that user-to-app connectivity, you require that continuous trust verification. If a user behavior changes, application behavior changes, or the device posture changes, let's say you have an agent uh, on, on the device which is doing continuous monitoring of the security posture, and that agent gets disabled, the ability to look for this, continuously monitor for any change, and more importantly, if you see a change, the ability to uh, block that user device or application till remediation happens becomes the second pillar. That's the continuous trust verification. Okay, can you talk a little bit more about continuous trust verification? Because I'm curious about how you actually do that because you're talking about essentially looking for changes in some kind of element at the endpoint or at the user behavior, right? That is correct. So let's talk about how Palo Alto is doing it, right? This really goes down the concept of three things. User ID, device ID, right? And app ID. Mm -hmm. User ID uh, identifies Drew. Device ID identifies the device along with the posture that that device has, right? The host information profile. And app ID at layer seven identifies the app. And Drew, we are using, we're constantly monitoring these things, the user ID, device ID, app ID and looking at the application flow to see if anything has changed on these three parameters. And let's say we see, hey, I saw that hip posture not happening on the device ID, so on the device. And once that gets signaled to me, now what I can do is I can quarantine that device. Hmm. So that's what we mean by continuous trust verification. You continuously for the application flow on a continuous basis are really monitoring for these three attributes. Okay, so we've had Least privilege, continuous trust verification. Now you're going to introduce the third of the five pillars. Yes, sir. Let's talk about the third. We are a security company. We got, and when you think about zero trust, zero trust is about security, right? Thou shall trust nobody. So that is where the continuous security inspection becomes very important. You are looking at all traffic, application to user, and looking at that to see if any malware is being introduced, any suspicious URLs being, are being sent, if DNS is being used for some threat attacks. And, and Drew, there's a very interesting statistics, right? If you look at internet-facing traffic, uh, we have a Unit 42 report which talks about 80% of internet threats are coming from DNS, right? So when you start thinking about all this traffic, whether it's going to private applications or public applications, the ability to have that continuous security inspection at every layer, DNS, URL, filter, uh, uh, URL, malware, the actual traffic becomes very important. So that's the third pillar. The fourth pillar, Drew, is data. We talked about data, data being everywhere. You require uh, only channel data strategy, right? The ability for you to protect your data, whether it sits in private applications, public applications, in the cloud, in the data center, and irrespective of where the user is, you need to protect all your data. And then last but not the least, the ability for you to protect and secure all your applications across the entire enterprise. So do these become the five key pillars, right? Least privilege, continuous trust verification, continuous security inspection, protect all data, 
protect and secure all application uh, are the five pillars for Zigenet 2.0. Okay, so let, let's talk about how you're actually making that happen. I, you, you mentioned an endpoint agent. We, we also mentioned a broker. What, what are the pieces here that uh, Palo Alto Networks put together for Zero Trust? Uh, that, that, excellent question. So let, let's first start with uh, the first part, right? The least privilege access. And before we go there, right? Remember Palo Alto Networks, we invented app ID, user ID, and device ID. And these are very context-based. And let's now delve into three of these and talk about how they tie back to those pillars. So we talked about the principle of least privilege access where I'm identifying applications at a layer seven layer. A layer. And that's where the app ID capabilities uh, come in. We continuously gather information about the session, the application handshakes, the application behavior, the stateful protocol, the signature. And we're truly identifying the application that allows us to enforce that least privilege access because we know what the application is. The second thing is user ID and device ID. These controls are similar, and they're also continuously gathering information about the users and the device. So the combination of user ID, device ID, and app ID are enforcing two things. One is least privilege access, and the second is that continuous trust verification. I will not allow and ignore anymore. I'll use the context from user ID, app ID, device ID to see if there are any changes in the user posture, device posture, or application posture, and take preventive mechanisms if I see a change, right? So that becomes the second part. Mm -hmm. Then we talked about security inspection. And this is where our full set of capabilities come in, right? The key DNA of uh, Palo Alto Networks, when you think of things like wildfire and threat protect with protect against malware, and which is also our sandboxing solution, advanced URL security, which is our URL solution, which is not a database-based solution, but actually leverages inline capabilities and machine learning to automatically classify bad versus good URLs as and when we see them. And the third part becomes advanced threat prevention along with that. Then we talked about DNS security. Our DNS security is again uh, based on machine learning and inline. And in fact, our DNS security is the most effective in the industry. When you start thinking about attacks like dangling DNS or the ability to do ultra slow DNS tunneling. That is a fancy way of saying, I'm going to use the DNS protocol to inject small bytes and assemble that packet to inject malware in your uh, application. These are becoming very innovative ways of, uh, for attackers to go and attack uh, the customer and their applications. So our capabilities of, uh, um, on uh, DNS security sort of, uh, stop that. Then beyond that, when we, have, we talked about these uh, core capabilities, wildfire, URL, threat prevention, and DNS. Then comes when you start thinking about applications, when you start thinking about SaaS applications, a lot of organizations want to have some apps that they will sanction. They say, yeah, these are sanctioned. I'm going to allow them. Some they're going to tolerate. Okay, I'm going to let users use them, but I really want visibility and control about them. And then the third one is, no, I'm not going to allow these. I'm going to deny this. And our SaaS security enables that outcome. And then last but not the least, our advanced DLP capabilities, which applies to all applications for private applications and SaaS applications with the same DLP policies, protects uh, for data exfiltration across all these applications. Mm -hmm. So this is how we sort of do that continuous security inspection. And then we talked about uh, the ability to secure all applications. Our Prisma access, Solution is a cloud-delivered security solution, 
which protects all your applications. Doesn't matter. You're doing inline inspection for all your traffic. Doesn't matter, matter what the end destination is, whether it's a cloud application, whether it's a infrastructure service, or whether it's data center. You're protecting all your applications. All right. Well, that does bring us to our time limit. If folks are interested in finding out more, where would you send them? I would send them to paulalternetworks.com slash sassy, S-A-S-E slash Z-T-N-A. Okay. Nice and easy. That's paloaltonetworks.com slash sassy slash Z-T-N-A. And we will have that show link uh, and others in the show notes that accompany this podcast. Uh, Anupam, thank you for joining us. Thanks to Palo Alto Networks for being a sponsor. And of course, thanks to you for being a listener. If you enjoyed this episode, there are many more fine, free technical podcasts and our community blog. It's all at packetpushers.net. You can follow us on Twitter at packetpushers. Find us on LinkedIn, hear us on Spotify, and rate us on Apple Podcasts. And last but not least, remember that too much networking would never be enough.